All right, welcome back to Ducks and Pucks. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. Uh, we got a great show for you today. We have a special guest. Uh, you know him by uh, the Anaheim Ducks goal uh, noise that he makes uh, at the games. Uh, we have Phil Hewitt here later on in our podcast. We're going to do an interview with him. Um, we're also going to talk about the uh, Ducks defense, uh, some of the Ducks news, including uh, some news about Tamu Solani recently. Uh, we're also going to cover the NHL news and fan questions as well. Um, to start off, we're looking at the Ducks' defense. Um, some people have had some questions about how it's going to shape up this season. And uh, Eddie, what do you think the uh, pairings will look like for the Ducks this coming year? Um, I think it it's not going to really change as uh, from last year. Other than uh, I think Stoner is going to check in for Allen. Uh, it's going to be the uh, it's probably going to move around a bit, but obviously the toughest guys are going to be Fowler, Boschman, Lindholm, uh, Lovejoy, Stoner, and, and Votnin. And then uh, it doesn't look like Surrey is going to come back. Uh, Allen, I think, is is probably on his way out with Stoner coming in. And then Fistrick's going to keep his role as the seventh guy who comes in uh, with injuries. And then um, there's, if there's any more injury problems, they'll bring up guys uh, from the minors like Matt Clark or, or uh, anybody else uh, with the same kind of role. But, yeah, I think it's it's going to be the, the same pairings, just uh, swapping out Stoner for Allen. Yeah, and, you know, that's what it looked like last year. You had uh, Fowler and Lovejoy were paired together a uh, majority of the time. Then you had uh, Beauchemin and Lindholm. And then you had Allen and Votnin, um paired together with uh, Fistrick coming in there to relieve, you know, both of them. And I think, you know, Votnin played 48 games last year. He was the only one of the other top uh, five that, that didn't play most of the season. But I think definitely, you know, as we mentioned before, he got his new contract. And um, I would see Votnin playing 60 to 70 or more games this coming season. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Lindholm's going to be coming in for his sophomore season. Um and when you just it's increasingly more looks like that that Allen is the the odd man out. Um, you know he's 33 now, second or well if you don't count Surrey, he's the second oldest uh, defenseman on the Ducks roster behind Boschman. And uh, he he just seems to be you know um, on the outside looking in with uh, with Stoner coming in. So uh, I I think it's going to be hard for them to to move him or or to get anything significant from him. Um, if they don't move him, I, I just uh, he's probably going to be a healthy scratch for most of the season. So they'll, they'll probably settle for a low pick, uh, give him to a team that's just looking for that that bottom six guy. Um, other than that, I, I really don't know what they'll end up doing with him. I, I doubt they'll buy him out if as a last option. So I think trade is really the only option they have. Okay, and if they trade him, do you think that they get another defensive player, or do you think they would try and just get another uh, draft pick? Yeah, if it's, I they'd have to bundle something because there's no way he has that much value, it, and that's not to say he's a bad player, but uh, you know he's 33, um, 10 points for defensive defenseman or 10 assists in 68 right. games isn't bad, um, but he's only gonna his his um he's only gonna get worse when he gets older. Uh, I they'd have to package something to to like I said to get another defenseman in, and it's it's gonna be, it's not gonna be a guy who's gonna come into the lineup and make a difference unless they package uh, some some young prospects with it. So if they if they trade him, I think at highest a third round draft pick, and and that's stretching it a bit, maybe a fourth or a fifth. 
because of uh, the, the uh, there's no real need in um, for other teams for a defenseman like him as much. Um, and uh, the Ducks are the ones that will be uh, dealing from a position of weakness that they're trying to get rid of him. So I, I don't really uh, see them getting a huge return from him at all. You know, and, and if uh, if we scratch him or we don't get a good return, you know, one of the fans, I've uh, taken one of their questions earlier than we normally do, but one of the fans, Jeff from uh, the L.A. area, um, asked if our defensive issues have been solved with what we have now in Stoner. Um, you know, looking at the, the six that we have on, you know, if we go Stoner instead of Allen, I'm fine with that six going, you know, into the season. I don't in a problem. Uh, I don't, I mean, obviously some of the fans want a bigger name player, but I mean, you got to look at these guys' stats, look at the plus minuses and the goals and assists that everybody had. And I mean, everybody did, had a decent season last year. I, I, I don't see any more issues on the defense. What do you think, Eddie? Um, I don't, yeah, you know, I don't really see, it all depends in, in, to be honest, um, if Fowler can can uh, step up and become that you know top to ten defenseman that he was projected to be, uh, then we'll be covered there. He'll be our number one. Uh, then we've got Lindholm and Vatnin. You know they're still young. We don't know if Lindholm's going to be that number one, number two guy to uh, to be on the same level as uh, Fowler. Boschman's still our main top four guy, but he's 34. Um, and then Vatnin, we don't know. If uh, if Vatnik can uh, mature into that top four role either, and then you've got um, you got the problem that then you have three uh, offensive-minded uh, defensemen on that on that top four. I know Fowler's working to become more defensive, and Lindholm showed uh, uh, great defensive abilities in his first season. So I think it uh, I think we're good now. I don't want to move any uh, any young guys to bring in a, a bigger stay-at-home uh, top four defenseman. I, I'd like to give. Uh, these guys another shot um obviously Fowler is going to stay I like to give Lindholm uh, see how he's going to do in in his second season uh, see how Vaughn going to do um and then you know Lovejoy and, and Stoner you know what you're going to get from them so um but yeah I think I'm happy with her going in like this obviously um you know fans are calling out for a top four guy uh but I'd, I'd rather go in like this and, and give the uh, the young guys a chance yeah, I agree. I think the youth, like we mentioned also on the last podcast, it's, it's their time this season. Uh, and uh, I think that they'll step up and fill in uh, just fine on the defensive end. And, you know, you brought up uh, Lovejoy, and, and uh, there's a quote of Lovejoy that came out recently this week, which uh, I, I thought was a pretty awesome one. I'll, I'll just read it real quick here to uh, everybody. But uh, Basically, he said that, uh, quote, growing up in New England, I'm surrounded by Boston Bruin fans who think they're the most passionate fans in the NHL. They're great, but oftentimes they don't give Ducks fans the respect they deserve. I defend Duck fans all the time. I think they're so passionate and so into the game. There are a lot of things to do in Southern California, and the Ducks fans choose to spend their time with us. It's such an honor to play in front of a packed Honda Center. Um, you know, and it, I mean, I think that that goes to the testament of – not just Fowler and his willingness to play for this club, but of all the other young guys on the team. Um, you know, we also had mentioned earlier before that the season ticket holder number has gone up to almost 13,000. So, I mean, the momentum in Anaheim, I think, is good where we're at. Even on the defense, I think we're fine. We made the moves that we did on the offense, too. And I think to round out everything, 
Um, I, I love um, Lovejoy's attitude. I love all the players' attitudes that we have now. And I think that the moves that we've done now should be just the right chemistry and perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's nice to uh, to hear players buy into the system and, and uh, buy into the Anaheim Ducks. Um, you know, after we heard the, the Hiller comments, it was kind of, uh, take took people back, uh, you know, offended people for sure. But it's it's nice to hear some positive comments about the Ducks. Obviously, Getzlaff and Perry want to be here, signing long term contracts. And you know, Fowler's uh, said of how much he enjoys it here. Uh, Boschman's on his second stint here, so obviously players want to play here. Uh, the fans are are showing up for more games. You know, with the uh, representation in uh, in buying more season tickets, and that just comes with the team winning. You know, when the teams. Uh, well, the team's winning. More people are going to come out, and you just hope that uh, that it can and stick around when the later on, if the team ever um, has to come around hard times again. But I, I think uh, it's grown enough now that uh, there's always going to be passionate fans, and and more people are buying into to the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the last season with the playoff series against the Kings, the stadium series game. Uh, I think there's, you know, going to be another stadium series game um, this coming season. I think this one will be San Jose and the Kings. But, again, it just shows you the growth um, of the sport as a whole in Southern California region. And uh, from just years to come, you know, we're going to have a lot of good hockey. And I think the Ducks are going to have a lot of good, solid teams. And it's pretty exciting, you know. And going forward, too, um, some more news on the Ducks, too. The, the new numbers came out um, for uh, some of the players. I'll go through the list here. We can kind of talk about some of the surprises, maybe, or not. Um, De- Devontae Smith-Pelly uh, went from 77 to 12. Brian Allen went from 55 to 5. Stoner was uh, 4 on the Wild. He went to 3. Uh, Danny Heatley switched. Uh, he was 15 on the Wild, and he switched to 51. Uh, Edom also dropped down 65 to fifth. Uh, sorry, to 16. Uh, Maroon again uh, 62 to 19, another higher going to lower number. And then uh, Thompson stuck with his 44, obviously because uh, Surrey's uh, not going to come back at least as a duck. But um, any of these numbers uh, surprise you, Eddie, or just no big deal? Um, I don't think it's it's as much a deal. I think um, DSP and Edom getting getting new numbers. Uh, it's hard to say in hockey as much. I know in, in soccer when um, the the younger players have higher numbers and when they get into the squad they they get lower numbers and that's how you kind of rate how close they are to the squad. But um, you could say the same with Edom DSP bringing down lower numbers in hockey. It doesn't really matter because you know Kane wears 88, so you can't really say that Crosby's 87. Um, but yeah, no, I'm kind of surprised seeing. Uh, seeing DSP and Edom change. I, I, I was so accustomed to seeing DSP in, in 77 and Edom in 65. So um, it, it's going to be uh, interesting to see that. Obviously, uh, Heatley can't come in and take 15 because Gessoff has 15. So he just switched, swapped on the uh, numbers to 51. Um, Stoner comes in for three because Fowler has four. Um, interesting to see Allen change his number to five. Um, and uh, Thompson, yeah, and then like you said, Thompson coming in with 44. Um, it kind of spells the end for Surrey. So I, um, but yeah, no, no real surprises uh, other than Edom and, and DSP kind of changing their number. That was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, it surprised me too. I, I kind of like the higher double-digit numbers. Like my number is 88, for example, and that's just the number I've always uh, rolled with. 
Um, is, you know, so I'm used to DSP with 77 and Allen with 55. So to see them change, that, that's going to take some getting used to um, coming up. So it should be interesting. But, you know, like you said, lower numbers uh, does something, you know, in hockey, it does indicate, you know, a larger role um, being on the team. So, you know, I expect that we'll see um, DSP and Edom definitely a lot more this season, as we talked about in the last podcast as well. Also with, you know, Maroon too, because. As we said, that you know, there's a chance that uh, Smith, Pelly, and Maroon play on the top line. You know, if uh, Heatley falters, then you know these guys could be the ones that we see uh, with the Twins the majority of the season. Yeah, and and like uh, when when you see them changing numbers too, um, it just kind of indicates that it looks like they're getting permanent roles in the team too. Um, you know, all these guys have been. Uh, there's two newer guys on here, obviously, uh, or three, sorry, Stoner, Heatley, and Thompson. So you, you know those guys have been brought into play in the NHL. And then it's just interesting to see Maroon change his number. So, you know, Edom and, and DSP, it kind of seems like that means their their roles are, I might be stretching, but it kind of seems like those, they're indicating that their roles are cemented on the team. You know, they're getting NHL numbers where they're numbers that they pick out that they're going to, want to have for for their full season with the ducks yeah exactly i mean and it's going to be exciting you know we're going to see more of them um this coming season it'll be interesting to see the lineups um like we talked about last time too as well and how they're going to um shape up definitely seeing more um game time and more permanent roles like you said um and you know one of those permanent roles has been gone uh tamu solani uh, we know is retiring and the latest news from Tamu is that they're going to honor him, uh, which a lot of us pretty much guessed, but um, he, they're going to honor him on January on the 11th when the Ducks host the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the games normally on Sundays are at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time, but it's going to be a 6 p.m. start. They plan on uh, honoring Tamu Solani uh, that hour before the game. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be a great night. Obviously, some of us wanted him to come back for another year. But um, it, it should be, a, you know, fun time and something special because this is going to be the first Ducks player to be retired, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, who who better to have than Solani, really, to be retired as the first one? You know, he's there's you, hard-pressed to find anybody who hates Timo Solani. Uh you know, it's and it's what a day to to do it on when when the Jets are coming to to Anaheim and I feel like it's gonna be uh it's gonna be reminiscent to uh to the whole season last year where he basically had a Derek Jeter run about it. Uh, every arena he went to, he was uh he was honored in a way, I guess. But yeah, it'll be uh I I'll have to watch it on TV, but it will be uh it'll be uh, nice to see uh, his uh the first uh, number to get a uh, race to the rafters. Yeah, it should be, a, you know, a special occasion. Um, you know, talking about that, it'll be kind of interesting too, uh, to see what's going to happen with the other news in Finland too. Um, that came out uh, this past week. Um, they're talking about Solani has been talking to the Jokera team in Finland. And it looks like that there's going to be a decision made within the next three weeks. Um, what do you think, Eddie? Do you think he's going to go to Finland and play for a year or two? Or, like we talked about before, maybe stay and have a managerial role with the Ducks? I don't know. I haven't heard um, a lot regarding it. Uh, I, I, I would think he would, he would probably come back and do manage, 
<clears throat> management with the Ducks. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, the KHL isn't. Um, you, you can't say it's not a competitive league. It, it, it's um, been, you know, named as the the second most competitive league uh, behind the uh, the NHL. So um, if he feels he can still play and he wants to go play there, then. Um, you know, all power to him. Uh, but I, I haven't heard enough to to say either way. And um, but I'm sure it'll be announced soon. I, I doubt he'll um, he'll hold off too long on his decision. Yeah, because you know, usually we're used to him making the decision end of July, uh, beginning of August time when you know he kept doing the one year contracts and coming back and back and back. Um, you know, another factor that, that some people haven't talked about um, as much as Ben Saku Koivu, you know, he's the last duck that left and hasn't signed with another team. And some people have talked about maybe he goes to the wild and plays with his brother, uh, Miku, or maybe he goes back to Montreal with his original team. Uh, but, you know, I see a third option. And the third option is, is that he and uh, Solani go to Finland and they could end up playing together. Yeah. Um, I, I could definitely see that happening if, uh, that could be, uh, you know, maybe what's holding up Solani's decision. Um, I haven't heard, like, I've heard some things out of Solani's camp, but I haven't heard anything regarding Koivu. Um, I, I, you know, I, you could probably dig something up, but there, it's been relatively quiet. Uh, there's been rumors, obviously, like you said, with Minnesota and Montreal. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think the best option for Saku, um, you know, maybe he his best option would just to go and, uh, and finish his career with uh, with Solani and Jokerit. Um Minnesota, he's not. I don't see him really playing. You know, starting in Minnesota's role with the centers they they have there, and uh, may, maybe Montreal. But you know, they've got uh, Dernay, Galchenyuk, so and Plakanic. So he, you know, I don't think he really wants to be a fourth line guy, as much as he'd probably uh, would love to play with his brother or go back to Montreal. I, I think he wants to play meaningful hockey, and and you know, he. I wouldn't be surprised if he went to uh, to Jokerit with Solani. Yeah, I think it would be a good fit. You know, they could go over there. They obviously both being from Finland, we get to play in front of their home fans uh, in their uh, home country. So you know, it's something to keep your eye out on. I mean, we'll keep everybody updated as we always do in the blog. When something comes out, I try to, you know, get it out there as soon as possible. So I just throw that out there because it's been very, very quiet about um, Saku Koivu, and it just kind of seems interesting to me because that's something that. Uh, could happen you know down the line because as you said I, I don't really see him going to uh minnesota or montreal although that's been put out there yeah and um uh, speaking of uh the uh jersey being retired um there's been you know some other names thrown around uh, with solani being the first uh jersey uh number to be retired um, um there's been some uh speculation that uh, who would be the uh, the next guy that we give race to the rafters uh, paul korea's name has been thrown around Scott Niedemeyer's name has been thrown out there too, along with uh, with Shiger. Who do you think would uh, be the next in line to uh, have their number raised into the rafters? You know, for me, I think it would be Shiger. Um, I mean, simply because, I mean, he was the one that led the Ducks to the two Stanley Cup runs. You know, obviously the unsuccessful one in 2003 by one game where he won the Conn Smythe. And then, of course, 2007 when, when we went all the way and um, – captured the uh, cup that year so i would see jaguar uh being number one um we also did a fan poll on this too and that's what uh, most of the fans out there picked they had uh, jaguar at 54 percent being the the next one after tamu uh then they had paul korea at 26 percent and then scott niedermeyer at 14 percent so those are your top 
three next candidates. Um, you know, and the Korea one is kind of an interesting one because, um, you know, we've talked about that before with him uh, being on there. And it's, it's been kind of interesting to get some, you know, mixed fan reaction because since he left after the 2003 season, uh, you know, some of the fans aren't as happy with him. But I still get a you know a big chunk of fans on the poll that uh, think that he'll be up there you know if, if not after uh, Solani but after Jaguar. Yeah, um, the, it's it's really mixed. Like most of the fans, I've um, I, I wrote an article on on Korea and um, if it was a hero or a zero, and I got uh, probably about over seventy five percent of the people saying that he was like they they liked him and they thought he uh, he was a, a you know a hero for the Ducks when he was here. Uh, but there is that fan base out there who, who still is you know it rubs them the wrong way of how he left. So it's kind of it would be kind of controversial to, to raise that flag there or to raise his uh his number to the rafters with the the kind of reception he might receive from from some of the fans at Honda Center if that was to happen. I fully believe his uh he should his number should be uh, raised up there, but um it, it's kind of hard to do when when you have a split decision between the fans, like we know Solani's universally loved, uh, and, and along with Shigeru and, and even Scott Niedemar, it's just, uh, the, the fans, it's so polarized between the fans with, with Paul Correa. So, um, as much as I believe he should, I don't know if, if they'll go that way with, because of the, the fan reaction. Yeah. I, I don't think that they will. I mean, there, there is the other option too, that they've done sometimes, um, with, and it's, and it's up to the team. That's the other thing that some people don't realize it's the team that decides who they're going to retire, but they can also do a ceremony where they honor someone and not necessarily retire the Jersey, which, you know, again, um, it probably wouldn't, if it's like you said, have a mixed reaction too. So I don't even think that they would go that route either. Um, you know, unless, um, I don't know, unless he was able to come back and um, make amends on um, some some level more with the fans. I, I don't know, but I just don't I just don't see it happening. And it, it's like, would he would he accept it knowing that he's still not liked by a, a, a lot of the fans? Would he would he want to put that on himself to have to stand, you know, on the ice in front of all all, all these Ducks fans where? Where there's still some people who feel some sort of animosity towards him, I, I don't know if he'd put himself in that situation. Um, uh, but it'd be interesting to see. I I really hope one day he his uh, either if his number doesn't get retired, if he gets honored, or you know some kind of um, something like that where where he'll at least be honored by the Ducks for what he's done. Um, but I just I don't really know. It, it's it's tough with with how it's such a split decision between the fans. Yeah, definitely, Eddie. I mean, uh, like I said, it'll be it'll be Solani for sure, obviously, in January, and then I think uh, Jaguar's next, and then after that, we'll see. You know, um, Scott Niedermeyer is another name that comes up with a lot of the fans, and uh, obviously, he's universally loved too. The only issue that some fans um, have mentioned to me, and it's not a big issue, but there's some are like, "Well, he was only on the team for a couple years." Yeah, and, that, and, when you yeah. you gotta kind of have a guy who's who's been there like i if if Niedermar's number gets retired i i feel it's with the devils so you know you can i think they've um i don't know if they've honored Niedermar yet but 
um, they they will. And, and I don't know if they'll retire his number, uh, but honoring him will will be there. But you know, the real three candidates that we already mentioned are, are Jiggy, uh, Paul Korea, and, and Timu. And obviously, Timu's getting his number uh, retired uh, this year. So um, or well next year. So yeah, I think those are the real three candidates right now. And other than that, you know, you can put Scott Niedemar in the discussion, but like you said, he's only he was only with the team for a couple of years, and it's kind of hard to to do that um, with uh, his number. All right, everybody. Well, we have a special guest on here today. It's Phil Hewitt. You know him as the Ducks PA announcer. Uh, welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you very much, uh, Mike and Eddie. It's a pleasure to be on Ducks and Pucks. You know, Phil. Uh, you and I became friends basically in the beginning of the season and uh, through social media and growing up and all that. And um, uh, it's it's great to have you on here and to finally talk to you. You're actually our first official uh, member of the Ducks organization, so th- thank you for coming on and talking to us. Oh, great. Yeah, nobody else official has spoken to you, huh? Or has nobody spoken to you officially? Well, they've spoken to us officially uh, through Facebook and you know, other forms of media, but you are the first official on the podcast from the Ducks organization. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and uh, uh, sometimes I, I try to speak uh, off the record when it comes to the Ducks organization because I'm not necessarily speaking on their behalf, but I think today we ought to be okay. You're not going to ask any hardball questions, are you? Oh, of course not, Phil. Of course not. You're my, you're my, uh, one of my idols. You know, I'm not gonna. Oh, come on. <laughs> Easy. Easy now. Yeah. All right. So what's what's uh, what's on the agenda? No, uh, I was just kind of curious. Like, you know, when when there's a game day and you wake up and you go through what you have to do for the day. Do you have like a set routine? Do you have any like rituals? Because hockey players love rituals. Um, is there anything like that that you do throughout that day to you know just get ready for uh, the home game? Well, yeah, the the day is fairly laid out for me. I get up at two thirty in the morning typically on a weekday uh, to get out to Los Angeles to do my morning radio show on KFWB. Right. And once I'm done there at ten o'clock, then the next part of my ritual goes into work because I need to drive out to the Los Angeles Harbor where I have a, a top secret broadcast studio that's where i do my second radio show of the day uh so first things first it's la's morning news with uh, penny griego and phil hewlett and then in san pedro it's as we see it with phil hewlett and friends and that goes on at two o'clock pacific time right uh also on kfwb in los angeles but that show is going to be syndicated here real soon so people will hear it across the country maybe we'll even go into canada uh, for you, Eddie. Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> I've got and, many reasons here. And, and then I'm done at 3 o'clock there, and I've got on a, on a hockey night, I've got to rush home, get a quick shower and a shave, get into my suit, grab my hockey bag, and head out to Honda Center, where if I'm lucky, I show up by 4.30 for a 7 o'clock game. And, but it's, you know, I might be there 5, 10 minutes late. We're having a, a pre- game uh we call it uh, i don't know a show call meeting because we really are putting on a show i'm part of the entertainment side even though i'm officially part of the game because what i announce makes things official when i announce a penalty or i announce uh, a goal it actually makes it official and that's when it goes into the uh, official score um, but 
I'm part of the show as well. So we have a show call meeting. The camera people are there. The uh, the guys who put all the uh, the video up on on Honda Vision and the sound guy is there. All the other people that are where well, they've got the headphones on that are behind the scenes that make everything work from the anthem singer to the contestants that come out onto the ice to the the guy who's working the crowd with the microphone during the game uh, out in the seats. All of those people are in that meeting and we go through the script for the evening. Um, I download that script onto my uh, onto my tablet and then from that point, I go out to my spot right there in the referee's crease right. on the glass, on the red line, and I set up my tablet. I set up a, a, a TV where I could see the same video that's up on Honda Vision because I'm practically beneath it. And so for me to be on the microphone, I need to be able to look down instead of up and be able to look at my script at the same time as well if there's something I need to be reading uh, in between um, game elements. And so we rehearse the opening of the game. There's all kinds of music and lights and video. And I introduce the, the uh, team. And then I announce who the starting lineup is for the team. And then I introduce the uh, anthem singer. And, and we go through that routine there. And sometimes I have to introduce uh, um, a color guard, you know, maybe a local uh, Marine Corps or... Uh, National Guard, somebody like that, or Boy Scouts. And from that point, the ritual goes to the press dining room. And that's where very often I will just eat a lot of food. And then <laughs> and then I'll go, I'll go up to the press level in the building, which is up on the seventh floor. And, you know, we have the second, the third, the fourth, and then we skip to the seventh. That's where the uh, press level is. And I'll meet the, uh, um, the visiting either radio or television play-by-play guys from the visiting team. And I'll read the roster of the players from the visiting team out loud. And I tell them to just kick me when I say one wrong. <laughs> and, and then I'll, I'll write it on the page. I'll ask them to say it to me. I'll write it on the page phonetically. And then I'll practice that name so that I get it right. In the event, one of the players moms is in the building. I don't want to say the name wrong. I want mom to know that I'm respecting the family name properly. <laughs> and, and then from that point on, I am, I, I, I grab three bottles of water, one for each period. If we go to overtime, I'm a little out of luck, but I, I hope the water lasts me for the entire game. And then uh, that's more or less the ritual. I do a couple more things. I have my own scorecard, uh, which I uh, uh, bring to every game. And uh, I write certain things in, the referees' names, the uh, linesmen's names, the name of the teams that are playing tonight. And at the end of the game, after the scores are in their goals and, and penalties, and, and if there's a shootout, that information's on there as well. I sign it, and I usually give it to a little kid after the game. Unless it, the ducks get blown out, then I tend to throw those away. <laughs> so that more or less is the ritual. Yeah, I mean, are you just worn out after uh, that, you know, doing everything, that full schedule? You well, let's see, to... I get home around uh, 10.30, I'm in bed around 11 o'clock, and I'm up at 2.30 to go back to work. Unless it's a weekend, then uh, I may just stay up till 2.30 and then go to bed and then sleep till noon. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you, you you have a lot of energy. I mean, that's that's amazing. That, I mean, that's just jam-packed schedule, you know. Digging ditches, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you're at the at the game, besides the Ducks winning and and announcing and and the things that you do, is there any certain part uh, of a of a game that is your favorite part, a certain moment, or a certain thing that you do or the team does or something? Well, you know the the part that really gets the adrenaline going is when I introduce the team mm -hmm. and they skate out 
and then I announce the starting lineup, and uh, especially when it's a playoff. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I have, I try to stay within myself when I announce. <laughs> Sometimes I lose a little control. <laughs> right. And, and I and I hit it real hard, and I think, oh, I better save some of this for the rest of the game. But that for me is the most exciting time, and the second most exciting time. Well, I don't know. It's a toss-up. If it's a real important game or it's a tight game and the Ducks score late to win the game or they score in overtime in the five-minute four-on-four uh, to win the game, announcing that goal oh, is about as it, as it gets. Oh, we love it when you say it. Can you can you say it for us? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. You mean the patented style of doing yeah. it? I don't have it patented. Oh. It's pat- patented, patent pending. Oh, okay. <laughs> For for you public address announcers around the league, don't even try to steal this. But it goes it goes something like this: Anaheim Ducks goal scored by number eight, Tamu Salani. That's the best. And there's more to it. And uh, but I I won't get to say that anymore. I might get to say his name, I believe, on January 11, when the the Anaheim Ducks hockey organization officially retires the number eight and lifts the uh, hoist the jersey up into the rafters yeah the news just came out you know and we're excited i mean i know he's your favorite player he's my favorite player he's a lot of people's favorite player so i will definitely be in the building that night for sure yeah my my dear old mom tried several times to to propose to him from the (laughs) but um mom he's married he's got kids come on That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, uh, this season, uh, we've seen a lot of change uh, going on with the team and the lineup. Do you have any um, predictions or comments on anything with the lineup? Well, I'm I'm excited about uh, most of the moves. Uh, I could say that it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Kessler does. Uh, there has been uh, some uh, discussion that maybe um, – the uh, the first line will have uh, um, uh, Heatley out there. Did I get the name right? Yes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Heatley might be on the first line with uh, with Perry and Getzlaff. And that'll be interesting to see. I mean, Heatley, I got to believe he's got another 20, maybe 25 goals in him. Uh, he's getting on in his career, but uh, maybe a little change in the scenery maybe getting to live in Southern California will do something for a guy. And we've seen situations where um, uh, guys who are on the back end of their career have just had a little bit of a change in their chemistry with the players. And all of a sudden they, they have uh, wow, where did that come from? And I think uh, Heatley potentially has that. And he brings a lot of experience to the locker room, which is good because you lose that uh, with Tamu, you lose that with uh, Koivu. Uh, not being there this year, and so to have another veteran involved, and uh, hey, you know when you look at it this way, Getzlaff and Perry are veterans now, aren't they? And to have them all on the same line, and then the second line uh, with Kessler out there in the center, um, it, it's, it's just going to be something to watch. And I and I like the way things are going with the defense. Uh, we still have the core guys, and the young guys are back, um, and uh, I, I think. Uh, the way things are shaping up, we could have a real good team. And, and, I, and I'm not worried at all about uh, between the pipes um, with uh, Anderson and with, uh, with Big John over there. Um, I think we're going to be fine. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's looking like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting season coming up. Yeah, a little bit different than uh, last year without Solani and and Koivu, obviously. But um, I'm, I was wondering if you uh, if there's anything you thought that they that didn't address in in the uh, off season so far that that you thought maybe that they they should have uh, they should have brought somebody in for. Well, you know what we we got a little. Uh... We got a little more boom, boom with one of the uh, the additions on the uh, defensive side. And forgive me for not remembering the guy's name. Uh, maybe you could uh, inject that. When... Uh, Clayton Stoner. Exactly. <laughs> Stoner. Uh, Duck sign Stoner was the headline. And and uh, and folks up in Washington and Colorado all of a sudden were fans of the team. But the the one thing I think we still may be missing is that uh, 40 point defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Fowler uh, might be able to jump in there this season. Well, you know what? He does get close to the 40 point, but, uh, I, you know, he gets a lot of assists. Um, I think there's a scoring defenseman out there maybe that we could find, and, and I don't know when we're going to find it or who that guy is, uh, or even if we're in a position to get somebody at this stage of the game. Uh, and, you know, Fowler may eventually mature into that. One of the other younger defensemen uh i think might eventually mature into that thing we've got a couple of young guys who can stand to put on 20 or 30 pounds and some muscle and and maybe uh circle around the uh uh you know the top of the uh the attacking zone and and have one of those just rifles from the blue line or or maybe somebody that just jumps into the middle and and uh, upsets the uh the, the uh, visiting goalie from in front of the crease and, and just sits there and make and wreaks havoc on the, uh, on the attacking side or when, when we're on the power play for uh, definitely if some big defenseman could be in front there and make a lot of, a lot of noise and do some damage. I think that would be great. And I think the guys we have are all capable of doing that. If, if there is one area where I think we could, uh, we could use a little extra power. That's a guy that can uh, um, score from the blue line, not only on the power play, but, uh, but five on five. Yeah, and with all the additions uh, that we've made so far, and uh, with uh, guys looking to step into the lineup from Norfolk, uh, do you see us having a a chance of getting past LA this year? Getting past you know the Chicago, St. Louis, all those teams that added uh, anybody and uh, making a real Stanley Cup charge this year? Yeah, you know what? I think really it it still is more or less the way it was the previous season when the Ducks and the Kings played um, in the second round. I, I really thought that whoever won that was going to win the uh, uh, the Stanley Cup, and certainly that's what happened. And I think we're in the same position. I don't believe that Chicago or St. Louis or 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 Boston or Montreal or whoever it is that's going to come out of the uh, out of the East this year. I don't think any of them are as good, even on paper now, as uh, the Ducks or the Kings. Kings got a little stronger. Ducks got, I think, a lot stronger. Um, and I think it's going to come down to the West and it's going to come down to, uh, um, again, either the Ducks or the Kings. And as hard as it is to repeat, I think that puts the advantage in the Kings uh, court. Yeah, people always seem to forget that, the, uh, or at least on the outside of the Ducks fan base, that, uh, that we finished with 116 points last year at top of the West. And we always get put behind the, the Chicago and, and L.A. Um, for you know on the rankings and uh, they, they, we seem to, you know, get pushed aside, but we, we definitely finished above them last year, and we, we only added and got stronger. Um, and, you know, yeah, speaking... I scoff at the power rankings every time I see. Oh, them. I know. Yeah, NHL brings out every year. We, we, you know, we were on top for maybe like 
one week of the year when we were on that, that winning streak at home, and then they popped us off right away after Chicago won one game. So we, we weren't on there for long. Uh, for uh, playoff experience, I was uh, wondering if uh, how you think uh, the 0-3 run when uh, you were there compares to the uh, Stanley Cup playoff run uh, when we won the Cup, because uh, you experienced both. Or which one do you think was uh, more exciting? Well, I, I'll tell you, the 3 was special because it was the first one uh, for us to go that long. And, um, you know, vanquishing the champions, first of all, uh, Detroit, and the series with Dallas was just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to discount the series with uh, Minnesota either. But then when we eventually, we when we got to the, the series, the final, the Stanley Cup final with uh, the Devils, um, I still believe to this day, if they didn't finish, uh, if it wasn't a best of seven, if it was just a best of until somebody wins uh, two games in a row, <laughs> I think we might still be playing that 0-3 series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, because, it was yeah, because it was, every time whoever had home ice was going to win, mm-hmm. and until somebody broke, um, you know, ice on uh, on their opponent's uh, ice, I think that's when it would have been over. But it was just a spectacular series at the time. Um, it was such a memorable series, and it was the first one, and there was so much excitement, and and I could say. And I'll be honest with you, compared to the excitement in the building uh, from the 03 Mighty Ducks uh, building uh, with the fans and then the uh, um, the 07 excitement, it, it's a close it's a close tie. But I got to say, because it was so new in 03, that that audience was just so loud and so excited. And uh, yeah. I got to I got to give the excitement level to the 03 crowd, but there's nothing better than winning. And that's why 07 is going to last forever in terms of uh, uh, the best fan experience, even though I think there was a little bit of an edge in terms of the building and the noise and the excitement in 03. Yeah, I've still got that Scott Stevens hit on Paul Korea ingrained in my memory from that 03 run. <laughs> yeah, epic. And then to get back out there off the floor and then score the goal uh, with uh, Korea off the left wing, it was just something else. Yeah, uh, with uh, Solani's jersey uh, getting uh, with his number being retired, uh, do you think Paul Korea, uh, you know, with uh, some of the animosity he has with with the fans in Anaheim, if he's ever going to get uh, his uh, number retired uh, along with Solani? Um, you know what? I don't. I don't know that that. Gosh, I don't want to say for sure because that's going to be something the front office decides. But uh, you know what? I think um, once Solani's jersey is retired, I think Jaguar's gets retired as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's going to be the next one. Those, um, those are like the only the, the cannons that really have a shot or laughter are really Solani, Jiggy, and, and Paul Correa. If you, like, you could make an argument for, for Scott Niedemar, but he didn't really play enough uh you know seasons in anaheim to really to, and you know he's already had his number retired in, in new jersey as well so yeah you know it's going to be interesting there is that whole new jersey thing with scotty uh but i think uh i think it goes that way i think it goes solani then it goes jiggy and then if there is another one it's going to be scotty mm-hmm, yeah but I, I i i have this feeling that uh that uh they don't retire 
Korea's jersey. But then again, uh, keep in mind, I'm not speaking for the team or the front office. That's just my feeling as, in, as that's my personal opinion. I don't think they do it. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they will either, uh, Phil. You know, it just seems like what happened after he left, you know, taking that contract at Colorado for less money, it just seemed to kind of, you know, upset a, a, a good enough portion of the fans. But I'll tell you, if there is a decision in that favor, uh, in favor of Korea's jersey, I could tell you who's gonna uh, who's gonna be the deciding vote. It'll it'll be Tamu Solani. I agree. I think it will be. You know, speaking of Tamu, what do you think about the news of him going to Finland? You think he might uh, go over to Jokerit and play? Play for Jokerit. You know, if he does, yeah, at least for for one season, that would be a lot of fun. I know uh, he loves uh, spending time in uh, Helsinki in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. When we went out there uh, several years ago and play began the season, and and they played that uh, exhibition game against Jokerit, and then we went on to uh, just to have a, a dismal time out there <laughs> to begin the season. <laughs> frankly, in terms of the actual games that counted, um, it's it's just again my opinion, my theory. I think because that was uh, Temu's neighborhood, it's uh, it is highly possible. Uh, okay, it's likely that <laughs> Tama was having such a big uh, party <laughs> for the players out there, right? Uh, that uh, they were just ha- chugging on the ice and didn't uh, didn't weren't able to bring their uh, their A game because they they left it at Tamu's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my theory, you know. I can't confirm any of that, and uh, of course, no, Tamu's gonna hate me for saying it out loud, but. I have a feeling that there was a little too much fun going on there in Tamu land. <laughs> but uh, that, to answer the question, uh, I think uh, he loves playing the game. My uh, um, my uh, my mom says, uh, what, don't you think he'd make a good coach? I said, well, yeah, I think he might. Um, his son's growing up playing hockey. He might want to watch that for a while. I don't know. It's going to be hard to see if he if he does end up coaching, but I think he wants to play for a little while longer. And at his age, the guys in uh, on Jokerit and in that uh, in that league, what is it? The uh, um, the KHL is that what it is? Yeah, they just joined the KHL this uh, coming up season. Yeah, I think maybe the speed of the KHL might suit where he is in. Uh, uh, at his level of play now at, at uh, what, 42 years old, uh, he might actually end up being one of the top scorers in that league. <laughs> so that might be fun for him. Yeah. And you know, the, um, Koivu, uh, Saku Koivu, he hasn't signed with anybody either. Um, what do you think? Maybe he might go over there with uh, Tamu for a year or so. Well, I think that might be fun. I think that would be huge news. And, uh, uh, as popular as Joker it is now, you know, there might be, uh, uh, there might be a bunch of people that want to, take little tours up to Finland from out here to watch those guys play together. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, Phil, um, uh, thank you for having you on our show this time. Um, we hope uh, to have you back closer, uh, when the season, um, gets near and, uh, we can talk to you more, uh, at that time. Yeah. Well, anytime you need something, if you need me to just pop in and answer a quick question for you, I'm always happy to do it. We really appreciate it, Phil. Thank you for being on the show. All right. You're welcome guys. Take care. All right, that was Phil Hewitt. We want to thank him again for being on the show. We're going to try and um, get him back on the show uh, closer to the start of the season. Um, It's great having him on here. And we're going to uh, move on now to our uh, NHL news around the league. Uh, Not not too much happened um, other other than the Tame Solani news, which we already covered. 
Um, but uh, we saw that Daniel Winnick got uh, picked up by Toronto Eddie for a one-year deal. Yeah, Laner re-signed with uh, Ottawa, I think, for three years, uh, which is solid for them because he's their goalie for the future. And then, obviously, there's the news that kind of rocks everybody, I guess, uh, the Subban arbitration news, where the fact that, I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, he, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and P.K. Subban couldn't reach a deal. Uh, the only thing they agreed on was a one-year contract, so now the arbitrator has to... Uh, pick out a fee that was in between the two offers. Uh, the offer rumored by uh, to be put out by the Montreal Canadiens was in the range of $5.25 million, uh, which is ludicrous <laughs> offer. And uh, I think Subban's camp was in the range of $8.25 million. So it's going to be in between that for one year. And then uh, uh, Subban becomes a UFA in, uh, in uh, 2016. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely... Interesting. And like in our last podcast, um, I talked about how uh, Colorado was uh, stupid to to not lock up uh, O'Reilly to a deal right away. And then Montreal pulls this and it blows out right out of the water because you can't like Subban is uh, the what Montreal is offering him is on par with the 24th defenseman in the league. So he would you'd be ranking him. Essentially, Montreal's rank him as the 24th best defenseman in the league of what they wanted to pay him. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, that's severely low-balling. Definitely. I mean, I don't understand what they're thinking, like you said. I mean, going for that kind of a price range and then to have to deal with this and go to arbitration and see Subban, I mean, you know, God, I would be like, hey, Anaheim, we'll take him. You know, you don't you don't want to pay him the money. I mean, jeez. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. He's the guy that basically led the team in the playoffs last year. You know, Price goes down, which is unfortunate, and they end up losing to the Rangers. But I have to think if Price is in there, uh, you know, they they probably beat the Rangers. I don't know if they would go on and beat the Kings, but they would definitely have, have gone, I think, to the finals, Eddie. Yeah, and it just – it doesn't look good for Montreal either. Um, with a lot of the comments coming out of it, uh, I know uh, TSN um, Bob McKenzie. Um, he was on Twitter. A couple of things he tweeted out was that the the arbitrator has to hand down a ruling on the Subban salary within 48 hours, and that both teams requested a one-year deal. Uh, Montreal and Subban are still free to negotiate a long-term contract up until the ruling comes down. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen because uh, Bergevin came out and uh, reported the meeting and said he had nothing to say. And uh, Don Meehan uh, told Sportsnet that there are no plans to continue negotiating a long-term contract. So it And it just seems like from the media report that talks went probably as worse um, as they possibly could. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I It looks like Subban enjoys playing in Montreal, but... Could I see him leaving in two years in, in UFA? Uh, it's a lot more possible than it was yesterday. <laughs> like I, I'm not going to bite the bullet and say, yes, he's moving in, in, away from Montreal, but it's definitely more possible. Yeah, I mean, things are definitely not solid as far as his relationship with Montreal moving forward, at least you know, uh, long term in the future. All right, and to uh, finish off our podcast this week, we'll take uh, some fan questions as we've done in the past. Um, we have uh, Tom from uh, Glendale asked uh, who the alternate captains will be. Um, you know, Eddie, since uh, 
Koivu and Solani are gone, who's going to fill in those spots? Um, who do you think will be the next two alternate captains? Uh, I, I could see Boschman because he's one of the main veterans we have on the squad. Uh, I Perry's name has been thrown out there. I don't know. He's getting up. He's he's could be considered a veteran on this young team. Uh, I think Boschman is probably the most likely option. Uh, other than that, um, if I'm just running through the line of my head, yeah, I think it it has to be maybe Kessler, but he's new to the team, and then Perry. Uh, you know, Heatley, probably not either because he's probably not the best leader. So, yeah, I would say uh, Boschman, Perry, and then maybe uh, Kessler. You know, I agree with you. I think those those are three of them too. The other the other two I kind of was thinking about is maybe especially, you know, with uh, Lovejoy's recent comment, you know. Um, I mean, I know he's kind of young. You know, it's only been a short time on the team too. But uh, he may be another one to throw in there. Uh, if Boschman doesn't take it, you know, if you, if you pick one defensive player, um, and another one uh, could come to mind too is uh, Cogliano as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see him maybe possibly if if they don't go with uh, Perry um, or Kessler, I could see them going with Cogs. You know, I think those uh, might be uh, another good choice too. Yeah, I think uh, when they finally get decided that um, we'll we'll see that it's going to be one of those the guys we mentioned. Um, I think Perry's on the outside, and then when since you mentioned. Uh, I think the front runners are Cogliano and Boschman, and then Lovejoy and Perry are, and Kessler are on the outside. So, yeah, I think uh, most likely are, are Cogliano and uh, Francois Boschman. Yeah, they're probably the top two of that group. Um, so hopefully we'll find out soon. Um, and that's that's uh, kind of our prediction for the top two there uh, as the alternates. Um, the uh, next question that we had was from Greg and Cerritos. And uh, he asked, with all the Ducks moves in the offseason, have the Ducks done enough? Um, and we kind of we kind of talked about this in the last podcast. We talked about it on this one, and we talked about it with Phil too. Um, you know, it looks like as far as the offense goes at the winger and center position, I would say the Ducks have done enough. I mean, we kind of beat a dead horse about the faceoff situation. Um, you know, and they went out and got Kessler, and then you got Thompson, who um, also led Tampa Bay in uh, faceoff uh, winning percentage in the playoffs last year. You had Raquel that had a really good uh, face-off percentage as well in the uh, playoffs last year. So I think we're good at the center and winger positions. Um, and like we said, the defense the defense right now is is solid. Uh, it's, it's good with the, the five, six players we talked about earlier in the podcast. But um, I, th- I think in order for the Ducks to go all the way, I think one more you know uh, big-body type defenseman uh, with a big slap shot would be would put us over the edge. What do you think, Eddie? Yeah, um, you know, th- th- that's been it's been thrown around, and I definitely think adding an established top four guy, keyword is established, because I think the we give, like I said earlier, we give the rookies this one year to step up and show that they, they might be able to fill that role because there's no point in going out and trading away guys to get that when we might already have it. You know, we we I think we have enough to go all the way right now. Um, that's if uh, Lindholm, Vodnin, Fowler um, it can step up and and play those three top four roles that we need. Uh, I have full confidence that Fowler will come out with a strong season again. He's been working on his defensive game uh, for a while now, and he's it's finally showing. Uh, Lindholm had a strong season last year. He's uh, one of the bigger guys on on the lineup at six three. Uh, so he could be that guy. He could be that 
that uh, big, you know, big body for 6'3", is still a big body. You know, we can say if we consider Corey Perry a big body, if Linton can put on uh, put on some weight, he's definitely could be that guy. He's a good shot. Uh, he he showed that he was uh, very uh, calm in his own end defensively, and uh, he put up 30, 30 some odd points. So uh, he could be that guy, and I think we should give him this the the chance for this season to to show that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think. Um... You know, if if we feel there's a need, you know, like a lot of fans say that there's a need, um, maybe something happens before the trade deadline um, and we get that person. But um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what transpires, you know, in the first uh, month or two of the season and how we uh, come out swinging. Yeah, um, I think we'll be we'll be uh, like as we've we've kind of overkilled now. It'll be uh, interesting to see how the season starts, to say the least. But uh uh, I think we'll we'll be okay. It might not live up to the excitement and uh, record-setting season that was last year, but we got better. So, you know, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if the season was uh, just as good, if not better, than last year. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, like we said, is it October yet? <laughs> I think everybody wants it to be October yet. I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit done with Blue Jays baseball right now. So, I hear you. I mean, it's it's like let's go, let's get this started. Um, uh, just a couple other things on the uh, podcast, uh, just to round up here. Um, we did a little t-shirt giveaway today. I uh, just wanted to thank all the fans. Um, the podcast has actually done really, really well uh, in just the three short weeks that we've been on. Um, and uh, we had a contest today. We gave away uh, five shirts uh, early this morning. And uh, look for those next season. I did some of that uh, during the playoffs last year, and I'm going to do some of that during the season and the playoffs this coming year. Um, and also, uh, our fan follow of the week is ref. You suck. Um, the owner of that, Brian actually is a friend of mine, helped me out, uh, putting together the, uh, blog on the website. Initially, he kind of set me up in the right direction and gave me pointers on what to do and how to do it. And, uh, just want to thank him. If you don't follow him, uh, I would, he's got some funny t-shirts out there, some funny hats. Um, for not just hockey, but other sports as well in regards to our love for referees. So uh, follow him, and thanks for listening. We'll uh, catch you next week. Anaheim,